If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. So alluring, a boy, so entranced, a song, so inviting. Hello and welcome to the 1875 podcast. I'm your host, Tom Schofield, and joining me today is Ollie Howarth. Of course, Ollie, we have recorded a podcast, haven't we, Um, since lockdown. Someone um, was a fool and forgot to edit it um, before the start of the season, so it sort of became obsolete. So I'd like to welcome you back for a second time to the 1875 podcast. Ollie, how have you been? How has lockdown been treating you? And um, are you enjoying the football being back? Uh, yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, good to be back, even if, yeah, second time round. Uh, <laughs> lockdown's been okay. Um, I guess I'm lucky enough that I've still been working and working from home. Um, yeah, quite strange times, but can't really complain of not being unwell or anything and just working but a bit stir crazy but yeah actually I didn't really miss the football when it wasn't on surprisingly but I think as soon as it's come back yeah it's actually been I've watched quite a lot of it um yeah Premier League and Championship since it's been back so yeah very welcome return it had been strange, hadn't it? Like you say, you don't miss it when it's not there, but all of a sudden it's back and it's all we're talking about. And obviously, given the result we had, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a bit more detail um, coming up, the result against Bristol City, that's obviously put us all in a fantastic mood um, looking ahead to the remaining eight, remaining eight games in the Championship. Um, but like I say, yeah, good health. Um, obviously, our thoughts with those that are suffering currently. Um, but Let's get on with it. Let's get on with the podcast and, and let's get on with talking about Blackburn Rovers and obviously starting off with a fantastic win against Bristol City. Obviously, against Bristol City, it was a 3-1 victory for Rovers. Evans, Adam Armstrong and Tosin Arabayo getting the three goals. Um, although we're going to jump straight into the Bristol City game. Obviously, it was a, a brilliant return um, to action and I suppose puts an end to what was a pretty poor run of form leading up to the uh, break in football. Yeah, I think we had, what did we have? We had a couple of disappointing home draws and then a bit of a walloping away at Derby. Um, I think, yeah, after we had the good draw at Brentford, but then, which, but then it was a bit of a disappointing end before the lockdown. And I think, yeah, actually, I think the pod that didn't go out, we talked about, um, thinking of this as a little mini season and we don't start seasons very well. I think everyone, any Rovers fans well aware of that. So it was, it's extremely pleasing to, uh, two things. I think we actually, we did play really well, but, and it's probably very pleasing to see across the league. It was quite evident the teams that have come out of the blocks quite well in terms of, I guess there's probably lots of, lots has been going on behind the scenes in terms of players coming back how training's gone, testing rounds for COVID and stuff. And I think we played very well, but I also think Bristol were pretty dismal. I think Lee Johnson said afterwards that 
they yeah he couldn't really put his finger on it but he just said they weren't up to it at all uh the players didn't have enough fight and just weren't quite at it and I think we very much were which was really pleasing um you know I guess we'll sort of talk about the playoffs but keep I uh, kind of keep a lid on things but it was a against a playoff rival I guess and we've come out on top quite convincingly um yeah I think there's quite a lot to be pleased about with the performance I actually yeah I can say this because it did happen and you can back me up but I I thought that some players might benefit from maybe not playing in front of our crowds and I think Brereton may have been one of them and I know everyone's going to think oh we slipped and missed an open goal but I actually think him and Gallagher whilst they're on the pitch through the first half and into the second half played extremely well and I thought Brereton looked particularly good very good with the ball at his feet, very good intelligent runs. Um, yeah, he caused quite a lot of problems and I actually think he did very well to read the defender's mistake and drag it around the keeper. And it was, I think he was just, when you actually look at the slip, he was just quite unfortunate to go over. Um, but yeah, I actually think overall, you've got Travis and Evans. I think we'll touch on Evans a bit more. They were absolutely outstanding in the middle of the pitch and provided a lot of protection for Downing. Um, I think, yeah, Downing has a tendency to get exposed. I think he got really exposed against Derby, um, where we were looking to do something similar with him. And I think it probably helped that Bristol weren't quite at it. And Evans and Travis provided so much screening for him that it meant we could dictate the play really well. Uh, Yeah, I think we're quite used to praising our back four, even with, I even thought Bennett had a very good game with Nyambe sitting out. But yeah, Tosin, excellent goal, excellent performance again. Lenehan, very good. Um, good to see Rankin Costello get a start. I think there was a bit of a question mark about who would start at left back on the day. Um, yeah, probably the only negatives would be, I think Walton, I actually think Walton had been pretty good after a bit of an indifferent yeah, a bit of a letdown, I'd say. I, I think we talked about it on previous pods, but he he had improved in yeah b- before the lockdown. But that was a very we saw those types of not an absolute howler, but their goal shouldn't have gone in. I think that's fair to say. He should have you know wasn't pretty near to him, got both hands on it, and that should be going nowhere near the net. Um, but again. From Bristol's point of view, our goal was probably equally as bad from their point of view with Evans, but it's a good ball into the box and they just don't defend it very well. Um, but then Tosin's goal was absolutely brilliant, as was, yeah, to see Armour come on and, yeah, we're, we're starting to get quite used to seeing him, those driving runs and cutting in. And, yeah, his, he's actually scored quite a few, I think, from outside the box now. And, yeah, he looks pretty lethal. Maybe a bit of a surprise to people to see him on the bench. But, yeah, if he's going to come on and still have that kind of impact, then I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, really pleasing all round. Um, a few results went our way, I think, aside from Cardiff winning and Swansea winning. I think they pressed and ended up with a late draw. And obviously, we took three points off Bristol's and Forest drew. So it's really bunched things up quite a lot. Um I think, yeah, it makes for a very interesting eight games to come, I think. It certainly has bunched it up. I would agree with you there. Obviously, if you look at it now, 
You got Preston in sixth place on 57 points, Cardiff in seventh on 57, ourselves in eighth on 56, Swansea in ninth on 56, Bristol in tenth on 55, Millwall in eleventh on 54, and Starbit in twelfth on 54. And I mean, you're gonna have someone like QPR who's gonna look at that and think seven points of the playoffs, put a run together. Um, they've got a chance there on 50. So it certainly has bunched things up between the, I guess, the upper top half and the the upper bottom half. Now, I want to touch on some things that you said just then. You spoke about about Burton. I agree with you. I thought he played brilliantly. Do you think Mowbray's going to look at him more regularly in the coming games? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of fitness concerns given the the lack of game time recently. But do you think Burton's someone that Mowbray's going to be looking towards to really make an impact and really show what he can be worth to Blackburn Rovers in the coming the coming weeks? Yeah, I think he probably has to. Um... It's, it's strange, really, because we saw we actually saw pretty. If you take our sort of top five strikers, they you know they all featured at some point across the day. Um, started with Brereton and Gallagher, and finished with Samuel Armstrong and Graham on the pitch. But I think I think we kind of know. I guess we'll, we will touch on contracts. I guess Graham may not be around potentially after the end of this conclusion of this season or maybe in a a more of a bit part role and we need Armstrong definitely seems to be our number one goal scorer but that really leaves question marks over the big money on Gallagher and Brereton and what to do with Dominic Samuel and but I I think he may think Brereton started at Derby and he started this game. I know it's a big gap between the two, but it's been a while since he started two league games on the spin. And maybe this is Mowbray saying, yeah, I think he looks fit. He looks strong. He looked confident, very unlucky not to score. I think you've got to, yeah, I think you've got to try and keep him in the team. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's got to grab the ball by the horns, hasn't yeah. he? This one. It's, it's not something that that he can't. I think he's had such a stop-start career where we've seen glimpses of his quality, like against Bolton when he scored his one goal. Um, and we saw it earlier in the season. I think Hully came on and had a fantastic cameo. Um, he won the penalty against Swansea, didn't he? Which Graham subsequently missed. We have seen it in fits and flashes, but it's time that I suppose he starts showing it on a on a, a different level, on a level where he is consistently putting in these these good performances. Another thing I want to touch on as well, Ollie, is just that Evans and Travis partnership that you spoke about. Obviously, I don't know about other people, and I'll hold my hands with this one because it, I've been proven wrong outstandingly, really. Evans was one of those players that I was never particularly sold on. I think I probably underappreciated his role within the team. I thought that he wasn't a midfielder that would create a lot. He didn't seem to do anything. Um, I suppose for me, he slipped into that Jason Law type player where it was like, what does he bring? Um, and I was one of the, the, the ones that when Bolton were interested in him and we were in League One, one of the people that was probably saying, yeah, let's get rid of him. We've got Richie Smallwood now. Just how wrong was I? How underappreciated do you think Evans has been? I think. Do you think now people are starting to appreciate the job that he does more? But, um, I was in your camp 
for the for a long time as well. But I don't know whether it's I don't know whether I mean it's worth just remembering he's been at the club since 2013. Yeah, he's been at the club for a long time, hasn't he? He's he's now he's we're used to him and yeah. But I I do think I found him frustrating in the past, not quite a Jason Low level of frustration, but a, I think in the last. I think we saw flashes of this. My opinion was always I got frustrated with him because we'd see the odd game as we're seeing now quite consistently and that would keep him in the side. But it, I felt he'd go missing or he, you know, he'd play well for a half or he'd have one good game, then a couple of not so good games. Uh, that's very much an opinion. But it, I think from last season and this season, and then Mowbray speaks so highly of him as a player um, and you've got to trust his judgment. But I think at the, I think now when he's been out of the team, we are underappreciating what he brings, but that, it's, it's difficult because I don't think he's been, I don't think he's ever performed as consistently as he is right now. Do, do you think it helps having someone like Lewis Travis in the squad who is going to bring that energy Massively. And that drive and commitment and this person who's going to run through a brick wall and Evans is there then almost almost shielding Travis. The, the running that Travis gets through, Evans can just sit there and he can read the game. I noticed a lot, there were a few times where all Evans would do is just shift his body slightly and he's then he's at the ball straight away. He reads the game well. So having Travis who's there, who I guess is almost the engine in midfield, who's running around like a headless chicken almost, going flying into challenges and winning the ball. You've got Evans who can then just pick his moments and he uses that to his advantage. Yeah, I think so. Because if you go, you know, the days of having such a good team where you've got an Evans and a Kearney in midfield, that probably isn't as balanced as an Evans and a Travis because I think Travis is actually very good with the ball at his feet, but it what is so noticeable is, I think, I think any ball-playing midfielder that can read the game as well as Evans can, use his body, pick passes so well, has to benefit from playing. Well, yeah, obviously, the he got the assist. Like it, it's worth noting, yeah, he did get the assist, didn't he, for Armstrong's goal. It wasn't exactly a, a two-guy-esque pass, but it was still a pass that he'd read the game, he saw yeah. And, and obviously we, we get the goal, so you definitely are you definitely right with that in terms of pick the pass, read the game, and it, it's good to see. And obviously the stats stats don't lie at all with it. Obviously Evans and Travis, eleven wins out of seventeen games this season mm-hmm. they played together. Um, obviously I'll throw it out as well. The Lenehan Adara Bio partnership, which is eleven out of twenty, um, two partnerships that you would say will be incredibly important in the coming coming weeks. And yeah, we'll massively. dictate whether or not we look at getting into the playoffs. I'll ask you now before we move on to um, the games coming up. Do you do you think we could do it, or would you still class us as, as underdogs for the playoffs? No, I was thinking about this earlier, and I think if you leave the top four where they are in probably that order, unless someone really messes up in the top two, I probably I think fifth and sixth are open for probably down to Derby. So that little pack, yep. Forest, Forest down to Derby. And I don't, there's been, I, you could take that entire group and they've all, we've all been inconsistent all season. Nobody, and that's why it's so bunched up. And I wouldn't, 
I've, I don't think any, I think the top four are better sides than we are and all of that group, which in the table shows it. But no, I think we're as, I think we're as strong as trying to not take the rose tinted specs off. I, I think we've got as good a chance as any of them. I think there are certain teams that look in pretty good form. Um, I think Derby are playing very well. They were before the lockdown and they've come back as same with Swansea, same with Cardiff. Um, I think Preston have been tripping up over and over and over. I'm not, yeah, not necessarily convinced by Bristol, not convinced by Forest, although they are in fifth. But they, I think it's completely open. I think it's hard to say. I probably have, say, a Millwall as an underdog um, and a Bristol City as an underdog because I just, I'm not sure they're you, quite. You do, you do say that, but then when we think about it, that the pre, I guess that the pre-season or the pre-mini-season, should I say, um, there was no talk of Rovers. Then it was interesting to see, wasn't it, that the you know, Derby was spoke of because they've obviously got Wayne Rooney and. But Rovers seem to fall under the um, the wayside, and I guess I guess that suits them to a degree because there's, there's limited pressure or limited pressure from the media. Anyway, moving on. Um, next up, it's Wigan. Um, just some stats for you here, and this one might be a shock. I not actually checked it, so it's a poor, poor hosting for me. But I saw a tweet earlier on. 2007 is the last victory we had at the DW. Um, Obviously, there's been some interesting games since. Um, of course, the one that sticks in the mind for me is when Robinson won the penalty um, at the, the very last minute. Um, well, it's the same game that Pedersen dribbled from a corner. Um, so it always brings up um, what is a, a fascinating game. Um, obviously, Wigan in, in very good form, really, if you include um, the games prior to lockdown. Um, they've won four and drawn two. Um, they've conceded just two in those six games and scored nine. Um, obviously, they returned um, to football with a 2-0 win against Huddersfield, I believe. Um, so they're going to be up for it. Um, obviously, the last game was a 0-0 draw, but we'll live in the memory just because of Dak's injury. Now, they're only three points off the drop zone. Just how important is it for Wigan that they keep the momentum going themselves and make sure that they don't let this decent form go to waste and not being sucked in to a relegation battle? But then at the same time, is this a game that Rovers really need to look at and think, yeah, this is a game that, that we should win? Yeah, I, yeah, it definitely is. I, I mean, yeah, it's become, I guess, since the League One, Paul, we've touched on this when we played the dismal nil-nil with Dax injury I think particularly since League One and Paul Cook and you know what what's been said between the clubs etc it's got a little bit spicier as a fixture um, and it certainly plays that way on the pitch but it I guess this is we're in a very different circumstances but also there's a bit more riding on the game they are in very good form but one slip up and they're going to be right back you know, they're, 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 they are still very close to the relegation zone. So games like the those really dire draws where we we sort of can't struggle to beat sides that manage to, yeah, pretty much sort of park the bus and come to ensure they don't lose. I don't think Wigan can approach that game this way. Um, 
that nil-nil early in the season, it was very much they came to not lose the game and we weren't good enough to break them down. But we need to win this game. They need to win this game. So there's potentially... A, well, A, they're in very good form and maybe Cook's got to approach the game slightly differently than I think we've become quite used to. They make it extremely physical for us and we don't really know we don't really have an answer or a plan B to that. Um, and we've either, I know we beat them at home last season, but other than that, we've either ended up losing the games or drawing. Um, but yeah, maybe if they've got to come out a bit more because they can't afford, they need three points really because they want to get safe as soon as possible. Um, and yeah, and we've got a lot to play for because, you know, another three points with, I think, Preston play Cardiff you know, we could be sat in the top six come Saturday afternoon. So there's a lot to play for, for both both teams. There certainly isn't. And you're right. I know you touched, you touched on it at the start there. So there's almost a, a mini rivalry that's been created between Rovers and Wigan now. Um, obviously, Paul Cook's comments, I think definitely more from them trying to rile us than us trying to rile them. Um do you see it strange, the trajectory of the two clubs? So, obviously, went up together, Leeds. Wigan, obviously, were, were, were top that season, won the league, were the better side. Do you find it interesting that there is this difference now that all of a sudden we're going to be looking at playoffs this season and we'll be expecting to be fighting for the playoffs next season? And Wigan, again, are fighting relegation. Is that something that's interesting to you or do you think it's a case of at the end of the day we've spent a bit of money more than Wigan um, and it was always bound to happen considering the infrastructure we've got yeah but they had I know I'm friends with a couple of Wigan fans and I think they had preconceived ideas about because they had the takeover um, and I don't I mean we've got our own story to tell but I I don't think things are quite materialised as, yeah, as they perhaps panned out in terms of finances. But I don't, you know, historically Wigan have never been a huge spender. I'm not saying I'm not belittling them in the slightest. Um, but yeah, I think it's odd that, you know, arguably they were the better team in League One. Um, you know, we've both got good managers, and yet since being in the Championship, we've yeah we're quite our trajectories are very different um I think they were quite lucky not to go down last season um yeah and yeah they've got a fight on them their hands for over the next eight games as well um yeah and I, I guess I don't know enough about what's going on behind the scenes but it seems odd to have had a takeover and supposedly some money available but I'm not yeah it just seems to be yeah they seem a bit stale I'm not sure whether it's I think there's definitely been some pressure on Paul Cook when they've had bad runs. Um, but he seems, yeah, he seems to turn it around each season um, and did very well in League One. But yeah, it'd be into really, really interesting. It will be. And I am, I am, I do find the Wigan game quite an interesting battle, just because I think it probably does go back to that League One season where we were at that same level and, and it was such a a well a well fought game. Um, so I, I will be very interested to see um, 
just how we can finish this season, how they get on next season as well. It's something that I'll, I'll be keeping my, my eye on. Um, moving on, though, um, Barnsley. Barnsley are an interesting proposition. They're not in terrible form. They've won four and lost two of the last six. Obviously, that is going back to, to before um, lockdown. Um, so how much you can read into that, I don't know. Um, their return... I'm just I don't know. The return was obviously a one-nil victory against QPR. So, and QPR obviously one of those teams we mentioned before that might be looking at and thinking if we can get a run together we could just sneak up there. So they aren't in terrible form, but they are still 23rd, five points adrift of safety. What sort of test are Barnsley? going to bring obviously we beat them just about in the reverse fixture at Ewood obviously it was a 3-2 and I think it was the start of what was a three or four game winning run wasn't it um and after that game I remember being really frustrated I left and I was angry at the way we'd won and I think at that time people were perhaps losing their patience with Mowbray obviously things have changed since but what sort of test the Barnes are going to bring like I said they're going to be fighting for the lives at the bottom of the table they don't want to go down obviously um do you think it's a game similar to Wigan, I guess, that we should be winning, but we do need to be wary of? Yeah, I think we. I think you can't take any game for granted. It's the championship is always a division where anyone beats anyone, and that does happen. And now we're in a bit of an unknown. Um, yeah, a bit of an unknown time, and things can change between now and then. If you you know you end up with a players testing positive who have to sit out, but. I've always thought anytime I've ever seen anything of Barnsley, they they play out they actually play really good football and they score goals, but they're just they just can't defend. And if, however bad we were in the three two, that for me summarised how they are in a lot of their games. When you look at a lot of their results, it's they're kind of in games and scoring, but they they just concede far too many. They're just a bit too open. Um, I think that bodes quite well because we're. I think we've got quite a potent attack, but I don't think. Yeah, we can't take it for granted. Um, we need to. Yeah, we need to really hopefully get something from the Wigan game, and then, you know, if we've got three points there, we need to be. If you're playing second bottom with, you know, either sat in the playoffs or joint, you know, sat there outside on goal difference or hopefully that type of situation, you can't be going and playing the second bottom side and not taking that opportunity. But I think we've seen Rovers often, you know, snatch, <laughs> snatch defeat from a, from a good opportunity to really cement themselves in the playoffs. It's happened a few times this season already. Um, but I'd like to think, yeah, if anything, if Bristol's anything to go by, we seem to have adapted to the new protocols quite well given that first game um we can keep the squad healthy and continue playing like that i don't yeah I, we shouldn't have anything to fear going to barnsley um yeah and four to six points from those next two games and i'd be very surprised if we weren't in the top six and then i think yeah it's a trickier three games after that um, on it certainly the... is. I was just about to touch on that. That obviously, given the the three games coming up next, then I guess you could you could stretch that to four games because that's Leeds, 
Cardiff, West Brom and Millwall. Obviously, Millwall and Cardiff both fighting for playoffs. Um, and Leeds and West Brom the top two. Those two yeah. wins really could, I suppose, set a precedent, couldn't they, for the, those games? So it's going to be an interesting, interesting couple of weeks, I guess, just seeing can we, you know, take it to Wigan, take it to Barnsley, and that means we go into those games against Leeds and West Brom and Cardiff and Mill without any fear, knowing that right now you're chasing us, the pressure's on you to catch us, um, or is the pressure on us to keep us where we are? Um, it's certainly going to be interesting to end to the season. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. It's it's good to have football back. I think, like we said at the start, the top of the podcast, you don't realise just how much you miss it um, until it comes back and you realise, yeah, this is what I've been missing. Um, and this is what we love. And this is why we, we sit here and talk absolute rubbish on a podcast um, for people to listen to. Um, anyway, Ollie, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, it's been good to obviously get back and get this one out this time rather than um, forget to edit it um, like a complete moron. Um, but no, yeah, like I said, um, thanks for coming on, Ollie. It's It's been brilliant. Um, here's the three points on um, Saturday and a win against Wigan, which would be um, well thought of. Um, of course, we have more content all the time here at Rovers Chat, the website, there's plenty of stuff there, previews, match reviews, player features. And here with the 875 podcast, we've had our player series where I've interviewed people such as, such as Craig Short, um, Jake Keane, um, and many, many more. I would say check out Andy Watson's analysis game of the Bristol City. I just mixed up my words. I would recommend checking out Andy Watson's analysis of the Bristol City game, which will be linked below. And obviously, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride.